This is the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast. The podcast for curious and passionate dental hygienists. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I am Kara Vavrosky with Today's RDH, and I am here with the wonderful Emily Bogey, who is a dental administrative chair and director of the Dental Hygiene and Dental Assisting Programs at Hawkeye Community College in Waterloo, Iowa. Today, we are going to continue our preventive discussion series sponsored by Dent Supply Serona. Thank you so much. Um, talking about the differences between controlling moisture and removing aerosols during a dental health procedure. Hello, Kara, and hey, everyone listening, and we've been chatting so much about aerosols for, for quite a few months now. It continues to be a topic of discussion, both at live dental conferences and on social media, so I think it's really important that we continue to talk about it because there still are a lot of clinicians who aren't really understanding the need for aerosol management with the HVE rather than simply using a saliva ejector for moisture control um, with the SBE slow speed vacuum tube. Yeah, that seems to be the case. And also what actually qualifies as a HIVAC and HVE, right? Mm -hmm. So the CDC continues to make recommendations um, for the minimum PPE to wear during an aerosol generating procedure. They are advising professionals to pay close attention to the COVID-19 transmission rate within their own zip code, um, proving that aerosols in the dental pr practice are a serious concern, um, quite frankly, even before the pandemic, because we are breathing the stuff in, right? Um, some local and state agencies also work to continually update their recommendations for the use of aerosol producing equipment um, during this pandemic. Yeah, and regardless of everyone's each individual regional pandemic exposure level, I think that aerosol management is a topic that's gonna be here to stay, right? Now that we, we really have looked into this and we really know more about it, um, the amount of time that we spend using the air water syringe and the air polisher and ultrasonic instrumentation and high and slow speed hand pieces and air abrasion systems and lasers, all of those things that create microbial aerosols, right? So we as clinicians need to learn to control air quality because we need to complete these necessary um, aspects during our patient care. And so it's essential that we remain aware of the aerosols because they really are an invisible fog of suspended moisture and they linger in the operatory air. Yeah, that's correct. Um, because on these little tiny droplets, again, pretty much invisible um, of liquid suspended in the air, there, there's so there's millions of microbes that are easier to breathe into our lungs since they are they're joined, they're attached um, to the moisture particles in the air that we're breathing. Yeah, and that's the danger, right? And, and it's also the opportunity because if we reduce the number of the droplets that are suspended in the air, we can thereby automatically reduce the number of microbes because the microbes are attached to the droplets and when we scavenge one, we scavenge the other. Right. So how do we go about doing that? <laughs> that's the big question, right? So in the dental operatory, we can start when we use the items that have been listed as high-level aerosol producers as we treat our patients. And 
since it's not as easy to change the techniques we're using, meaning like it's not as easy to give up our ultrasonic units, give up a high-speed handpiece and go back to like a spoon excavator, our better option is to remove the aerosols before they can be inhaled by our patients and our coworkers and ourselves as we're breathing in the office. Yeah. And there are so many ways to go about that task. Right. And so mm -hmm. in many of our previous videos, we have spoken about face coverings and the importance of knowing which face coverings to wear during which procedures. So let's go there. Yeah. In, in the face coverings, they're a great place to start from a reactive standpoint. But I think we, we can take this month to talk really about how do we capture these aerosols, the actual aerosols themselves on a preventive level. So by addressing the level of pressure we have available from our vacuum lines, we can assure that we are decreasing the amount of aerosols that are left behind once we're finished doing these dental procedures with these aerosol producing end uh, pieces or items, right? Right. So how do we go about doing that? I love yeah. that question. <laughs> right. It's, it's one, one how to another, right? Uh -huh. So much like everything else we deal with in the dental office, we can either purchase a mechanism to complete the task ourselves, or we can hire a service tech to come in from a dental distributor and let them do the testing for us. If the office, if the office itself chooses to purchase the equipment for this type of test, it's, you know, it's really, um, the, when you, when you look at the numbers, it can be a, a more financially responsible decision, especially if you're going to be doing it often and you have a lot of operatories because you can use the same equipment over and over repeatedly. And that is going to be more cost effective than paying that person from the distributor to come and, and do it every time. The thing is, you have to have a team member that's trained to do it. So to complete this test, a vacuum pressure tachometer with a gauge is connected to each individual line, and then you get a numerical pressure reading back. And that score is taken from the high vacuum line. And that's the most important thing because this is the vacuum line on our dental unit that the CDC is recommending that we use to scavenge these aerosols, not the SVE line, the HVE line, because that's what we're operating when we're completing an aerosol generating procedure, if, if you're following the CDC recommendations correctly. The HVE has a much bigger bore size. And when you talk about bore size, that's like the actual opening of the hose that goes into the dental unit. And so the HVE has a bigger bore size and it also has a greater pressure level than the slow speed suction. So the vacuum pressure that we're creating by the slow speed suction, it just isn't enough to keep up with the aerosols. And that's why the CDC is saying, use your HVE. We need the power of the high vacuum to get rid of all those small particles. Yeah, the saliva ejector, you know, the slow vac SVE as compared to HVE, that's moisture control. That's moisture control. Mm -hmm. um, so when we're testing the high vacuum lines, what numbers are we looking for? So there's been a couple of different studies. And according to the one study that was done in 2010 from Dr. Charlton, the very minimum suction needed to control dental aerosols, and this was um, done through the US military. And so they were trying to figure out what level of suction was needed in a, in a military setting where they had limited space and limited capacity for the larger compression units. So in the case of a high volume dental suction, 
the very minimum to reduce aerosols was 4.5 cubic square um, foot per meter and uh, <clears throat> per millimeter. And so it's a C uh, S C F M. And you know the, all those acronyms, right? <laughs> so if you, it's it's universally measured in um, in a square cubic um, measurement. And so that's S C F M. And so that means at this rate, that's a universal measurement, we see noticed reduction of aerosols. So recently, I spoke with an industry professional who completes these type of tests because we were talking about, um, we're actually building a new clinic at my college. And we were talking about what level we truly needed to support the 25 chair clinic we're building versus the 18 chair clinic we already have and how we were going to increase our suction power so we could reduce aerosols and all of those types of tests. And this industry professional um, has completed many, many, many of these tests. And he stated that dental professionals should aim for seven to 10 square cubic feet per minute. That's the SCFM. I think I said it wrong last time I said it. Yeah. And additionally, we need to monitor the volume of what gets taken into the system. So not only how quickly it's it's suctioning that stuff in, but the volume um, that the system can, can hold in terms of carrying that debris away. And that volume should be about 300 liters per minute. So not only are you measuring how, how much it can take in, but how fast it can carry it away. That is good to know because frankly, um, I'm not sure, at least I've never been present in a dental office when anything was tested. So it's like, mm -hmm. I don't even know this thing, this was a thing, right? So I, I think, think it's becoming more of a thing. Oh yeah. Because, because people realize, oh my gosh, our building was built in the late seventies or mm -hmm. the early eighties. And we weren't, you know, back in, then we didn't use the ultrasonic like we use it now. We didn't use the level of high speed fiber optican pieces that we use now. And I think, I think people would be really surprised if they did this testing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so the easiest way to check this ourselves is with a flow measuring device, because we cannot assure that we have an adequate suction volume unless we have some measurement of how our instruments are performing. So mm -hmm. just like other things in the office, vacuum systems wear out and they can begin performing at a less than ideal level and need mm -hmm. to be repaired or replaced. And how do you know without that measurement? It's like, that's why we take periodontal measurements, right? You need to have mm -hmm. that baseline and know where you're at. So the other thing to mention is this pressure can vary from operatory to operatory. So it's advised to have it checked at each specific unit, not just one, all of them, um, to determine the effectiveness of the suction in each room. Yeah, and as I was talking to that industry professional from our um, distributor that I was just referring to him earlier, he was saying that depending upon how far the unit is away from the compression system itself, mm -hmm. you can get variance. And so it might be stronger in the room that's closer to your mechanical type room, but it's you, you want to definitely test the one that's the furthest away, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's definitely important that we're checking every single room because the suction device or the isolation device 
that we choose to attach to the HVE is only as good as the system itself, right? We can have the fanciest attachment that we put on the HVE that, you know, it's going to have all the new bells and whistles. But if your system isn't working correctly, then it's not going to work like the, the manufacturer of the product says that it's supposed to. So as the HVE pulls the air in at a certain rate, and in that case, it's measured as cubic square feet per minute, other considerations that we have discussed in previous videos also still relate to this topic, right? So the size of the tubing, the number of holes or openings in that device that you attach to the HVE. So clinicians need to focus on obtaining a device with fewer holes that have larger openings. And those are the ones that are gonna scavenge the most aerosols possible before, you know, and keeping them as close to the mouth as you can. So those little tiny particles can't get out into the air where we can breathe them back in. Yeah, and that's why we have like discussed the effectiveness of like the PureVac in the past, because again, mm -hmm. it's one hole, not a whole bunch of tiny ones with the bore opening that's eight millimeters or wider, right? Because that's mm -hmm. what the research says. Studies have shown that an HVE can reduce 90 to 98% of aerosols. And the mm -hmm. PureVac has an autoclavable adapter that can fit immediately into the existing standard HVE tubing. Again, one opening, borehole size, eight millimeters or bigger. Anything else is pretty much just moisture control. Right, and ex exactly true. We have to maintain a safe and effective treatment environment because it's not just about keeping the field dry, right? We all like working in a mouth where we can see the teeth and there's not pools of moisture. This is a concept that supersedes moisture in the working environment. This is about controlling things so those particles don't exit the mouth and get into the air and have all those little microbes attached to them where we're breathing it in. Yeah. And in addition to the vacuum removal or aerosols, we also need to mention the importance of high quality filtration and ventilation systems mm -hmm. in the practice. Um, scavenging HVAC systems can decrease incidences of more common conditions such as pneumonia, tuberculosis, um, influenza, la di da da the list goes on, which all have a high rate of inhalation infection from aerosol air contamination. So we're not just talking pandemic here, right? Um, the greater quality of the building's filtration and ventilation system, the greater chance the air can be properly circulated to increase the air quality. Absolutely. And I can say this in the last months, um, our building is under construction. And so they're taking apart the old ventilation system now. And I've been talking to some of the contractors and they're like, so what's your schedule for changing these air filters? And they've been showing me some of the air filters. And I'm like, Moving into our new building, I'm just going to like keep a spreadsheet on that because these Thank systems you. all work together mm -hmm. and it's really easy to overlook them because you don't look at them every day. And so if we really want to focus on the health and safety of our patients and ourselves, it's not just one thing we do. It's each individual layer that we put for, for protection that makes a difference. Yeah. I, I agree. It's, and it's a lot of things. And again, logs, keep logs, write everything down. Mm -hmm. Even when I sharpen my instruments, I write it down and what color set it was. I mean, I log mm -hmm. everything because then it's just off your mind. You put it in a plate, keep it all together. Great idea. Great idea. So I think on that note, we'll wrap up this discussion. Mm -hmm. It might seem like we've hit on this a lot, but 
it's because the questions still keep coming up. So, and I think there's so many angles to talk to it. It's not just one thing. It's this and this and this and this. Unfortunately, it is, as it always is in dentistry. Um, so I want to say thank you to Dental Place Rona again for supporting mm -hmm. this video. And to you, Emily, and to everyone who is tuned in, um, thank you for the privilege of your time. Um, I wish you all the best. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.